I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to... Oh, shit. Fuck. Ah, fuck. This week on Feel Good Friday, I forgot what I had to say. This week on Feel Good Friday, a kid that uh, a kid's wish that wasn't wasted. Crowdfunding in the gigantic gaps in the healthcare system. The most common date for death. Tell me what you're intrinsically thinking about. Can humans see into the future? I got it. I got it all in. <laughs> that was weirdly <laughs> impressive. Oh my God. You know what I wish oh we God. had? You know what I wish we had? Uh, I wish we had teed up right now is the scene from the soundbite from Liar Liar when he gets pulled over by the cop, and the cops like, and the cops like, do you do you know why I pulled you over? And he's like, oh, I was Do you have a Liar Liar clip in here? No, I don't. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know. It's of course I know. I know that great Jim Carrey flick. Okay, we we are just about to hop on a flight to go to Montreal because we're we're presenting at CanNet, which is like a it's like the Canadian Cardiovascular Network, and they're and we're looking forward to it. But because we have a flight really soon, we got to get through this shit. And so right away, we're gonna go right in, diving in head first. Do you guys remember what I wished for for my kids' wish? Yes, a shopping spree. Shopping spree. Shopping spree. Limo to the Halifax. To the two. Not even the Halifax. Not even the newly renovated Halifax Shopping Center. We're talking shit. I did. Shitholes Halifax Shopping Center in 2002. Hey, man. I was having a a bit of a down day yesterday when I woke up in the morning. I was just feeling kind of down. So was I. And I went on. I went on my own Halifax shopping center shopping spree. Yeah. I did. I did. You tried to get me to go with them. You just did that on your own. I did your children's wish. Fuck. On just on a whim because I thought it would be fun that day. So, so here's what you what he actually wanted. What he actually wanted for his birthday was guys. I'm depressed. Was, okay, was I don't. Just, I don't need this. He just wanted to be. He just wanted to, to pretend to be a depressed adult <laughs> with a with an open Sunday. Little, little did I know. I should have yeah. taken a limo to the mall. Little did I know what my adult life would look like. Um. Uh. Well, I will tell you this. I do think about that often. I think about like at the t- at that period of time in my life, what would have been a, a, a great wish? And, and, and actually like one of them for sure would have been to uh, to go hang out with one of my heroes, which would have been Adam Sandler at the time. Um, go see a Habs game. Uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't have done that I, because because I, here's a, why I wouldn't would have seen a Leafs game. Uh, no, I wouldn't have done that either because my dad had already taken me to number a number of Leafs games uh. and somehow Somehow got me into their change room. I saw Matt Sundin's cock when don't I was say, a kid. Don't say cock. Cock, <laughs> dude. It makes me Ew. so uncomfortable. Say because I know you hate it. Um, Matt Sundin. Your, Matt so Sundin. You got a sweet penis. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait. Did your dad? Do you think your dad used your cystic fibrosis dude, hun- to get into the <laughs> Leafs dressing room? <laughs> like hundred percent. Like we Cop, got in there. Cops playing cards. <laughs> we got in there. My. And we got in there. My dad was like, holy fuck, Jared. Look at this. This is fucking crazy. But look, that's Matt Sundin's cock. Holy shit. And then, and then someone goes, and this is uh, Felix Potvin's um, uh, uh, mask. And uh, would you like to try it, little little boy? And my dad goes, of course I would. And he jumped in and he, he put it on. No. Pushed me out of the way. 
My dad did love the Leafs. Um, but uh, yeah, so anyway, that would have been cool, but I had already done that. But the thing that I didn't even think about was how fucking rad it would have been. I was a massive, massive wrestling massive. fan. I knew you were going to go there. And uh, it, either it would have been like, stone, like, like to, to, to crack a beer with Stone Cold would have been, I mean, As totally a, inappropriate, but also fucking totally on par with the Attitude Era in the WWF back in the 90s. <laughs> um, or getting tombstoned by, mm, by mm, The Undertaker. Mm, yeah. I mean, that would have been fucking cool. <clears throat> well, I'd like to show you an example of a kid who had his fucking head right when he made his decision of what he wanted his wish to be. <laughs> this is Connor, and Connor's wish was to beat the absolute living fuck out of Triple H. There, I'm going to play some music here uh, because the music that was on this TikTok is not allowed to be played on YouTube. This is so very is. This is Connor. Music. This is Triple H. Triple H saying, what are you going to do? Are you going to hit me, you little bitch? Oh! <laughs> Knocks him the fuck out. Connor <laughs> is like seven. Look at him. Goes to pin him. Lifts oh. the leg. One, two, three. That He's is... out. Connor, Connor's in shock now. Doesn't even know what the fuck just happened. He's like, I just killed my hero and now he has the whole crowd chanting with him oh my god that's so cute that's the cutest and kind of saddest so shout out to same. connor he died oh um, no he died shortly after that but uh that little boy even up in heaven he will never forget the moment that he legitimately um he he actually killed triple h you know uh, connor Tri triple h never <clears throat> never woke up from that connor doesn't regret his children's wish. <laughs> he doesn't. No, he does not. Yeah. Have you ever seen that John Cena, that meme that's like John Cena <laughs> oh, goes yeah. to the hospital and gives child cancer, uh, <laughs> gives, yeah, <laughs> gives, yeah. what is he, what's the, what, uh, what's the phrasing? It makes it seem like John Cena gave him cancer. Yeah. For John his Cena has the, the world record for the most children's wishes um, um, granted. Yeah. Um, it's just, just over 500. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. So like, it, it's funny because you played that video, but actually there's like 500 kids who have probably done something similar. I know, dude. I know. Who, like, no, 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 no. They're just going to meet their hero. This is right. This is yeah, a special. Right, right. special. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, like yeah, yeah, live yeah. on right. on t Raw. <laughs> <laughs> live yeah. on Raw. Yeah. Uh, probably would have been SmackDown. Raw, raw. The, if that was Raw, they would have took that kid and put him through the through a fucking flaming table. Okay. Triple H would have gone, not in my house. I don't know anything about wrestling. What's the difference between Raw and SmackDown? It's, I mean, it's, the, know, same, dude, it's the same thing. The, raw was on Monday night. SmackDown yeah. was on Friday nights. But yeah. like, but one was more. Like, what's the hardcore? difference between Feel Good Friday <laughs> and a routine, routine, routine check-in on Monday? Well, we're trying to we're trying to <laughs> nail it down. <laughs> Okay. Well, routine checkups are with. I'd actually say professionals. that we. I would say that we actually have a more <laughs> dialed lane. I think we specific do specific lanes than 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 WWE did. All right, let's move on. Raw is when it's really raw, and SmackDown is when guys are getting SmackDown. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, uh, that is yeah, he's, it. He said it. Um, let's move on. This uh, so this next article has nothing to do with AI, but I uh, I took the whole the whole um, piece of this and ran it through AI. <laughs> so uh so let's see what it says uh is actually a very interesting story that taylor you supplied um and i wanted to save this until you came back on the show um gigantic gaps in health systems showing up in crowdfunding 
Um, okay, mm. so this is what the uh, this is what ChatGPT did with the article. Uh, <laughs> welcome everyone to another episode of Sick Boy. <laughs> 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 Today, we're diving into an eye-opening issue that's been making headlines and gaining prominence on the GoFundMe platform. Okay, so if, you, if you've ever scrolled through GoFundMe, uh, you've likely noticed a staggering number of people are in dire need of help and community support. What's remarkable is that many of these pl uh, pleas are related to one common theme, the high cost of healthcare. Mm. To understand how this shift occurred, we need to take a brief look back in time. When GoFundMe started in, what year do you think GoFundMe started? This actually surprised me. I'm going to give it. I would have thought something like that. Oh, I feel, well, I feel like, I feel he's like. He's off so, and uh, so was I. He's off. Yeah. So there's a clue for you. All right. Well, obviously it's either. More recently. It's either, I, I would say it's probably more recent. Um, I'm going to say it was post. I remember Kickstarter. We did Kickstarter in 2015. I'm going to say 2016, 2017. 1983. What? No. no 2010. Um, <laughs> so it started in 2010. Its focus was on raising funds for ideas and dreams. Give me your fucking money. Um, <laughs> that's a weird SVU. Also, it was it, people were taking were taking money for like wedding donations and honeymoon registries. That was another big part of what the, about pets? Um, special occasions was another one. It doesn't say anything about pets. But medical fundraising was just one of many categories that was there, but it was listed way further down the menu. So, like, you could go there mm. and you could, like, pick what it was. that You don't, like, just type it in. You have a set standard of things that you're trying to, like, What are select. you raising money for? Yeah, exactly. I, and by pets, I, met, I met, meant veterinary bills. How annoying but, is oh, that? interesting. Not, okay. like, yeah. not just, like, not, like, like raising money to buy a, <laughs> buy a pet. Hey, I, yeah, feel I thought you were talking about, like, raising money to add to your backyard breeding setup. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yo, not that. Yeah, a commonly shared experience among the three of us, I'm sure. I'm imagining this list when they're like, what are you raising money for? And there's people that are like, that, that go down the list and they go like, fuck, they didn't list the thing that I... Just the way that when you fill out a thing that asked you what your job is. Yeah. And, you, <laughs> and it's like, it's... and, and yeah. Podcasters <laughs> and it's like it. there's yeah. no there's no like that nothing in this list of a hundred <laughs> job titles or like but professions speaks to anything about what you do. How come influencer isn't on the list? And so you just put other. Pretty yeah. pretty sure I've been somewhere filling out a, a form and 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 I'm like uh, I'm a uh, my job isn't here and they're like what's your job and and I'm like. I don't uh, really know. <laughs> uh, uh, I make podcasts, and they're like, "No, your your actual job, not like what you aspire <laughs> yeah, to not, be doing." Yeah, not your <laughs> not your hobby. Yeah, they're like, "No, no." There that's was one, the one time. There was one time I was going. I was going through. I was going through. Uh, I was going through customs. I was like going through the border, and uh, and this was like years ago. And, and the guy goes, "What do you do for for a living?" And I was like, um, "I'm an actor." And he goes, "Were you anything that I would I would know?" And I went, "No." And he was like, hmm. okay, go ahead. And I went, fuck, I got I to gotta do something with my life. Um, so fast you didn't forward. say Artsuka? <laughs> no, I should have. I should have. Yeah. Uh, he just, he didn't look like a child. <laughs> no. Fast forward nine years uh, and the landscape has radically changed. Healthcare campaigns now dominate the platform. According to GoFundMe, dude, this is, this is wild. According to GoFundMe, of the approximately $5 billion raised on their platform, about a third has been for medical expenses with over 250,000 medical campaigns initiated each year. Wow. Quarter of a million campaigns for meds or, or you know, medical like reasons. I can't remember. The, I can't remember the uh, I can't remember the, de the the specific details of the article. But was it was it was that five billion 
lifetime like that the that the platform has raised ever yes. or was it five billion yes yeah, since 2010 they've raised five billion dollars yeah. i mean it doesn't matter a third is a third is it it's insane so i mean i'm not sure if this information is there but um i'm guessing that this is mostly for people in the U- united states raising yeah. this money yes yes but it also is, there are also but, Canada, but it, yeah. would, it would be it would be everywhere but like the majority of this is coming from the states right i've seen gofundmes yeah. for people yeah. in canada raising totally. money for healthcare expenses yeah. Um, I think a lot of, I think I imagine it's greater. I in think, the United States. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things I would say in Canada, you're getting a lot of campaigns for families that are maybe, um, like have from, to travel yeah. from like province to province or yeah. something or, yeah, you got to go because like the specialist that you need to see for the thing that your kid has or kid has or that you has yeah. is like in Toronto and you're in Northern Ontario. Or you might even have Alberta someone, you might even have someone who's like doing like long-term chemo and can't work. And so they're like, like, yep. you know, you know like one of the two of us have completely lost our job. Like we, we can't work yeah. because of the, the treatment and we're looking to like, like have three kids and we're just like looking for that. Like the peripheral cost yeah. of healthcare versus in the States where it's like, yeah. In the States it's like, I broke my fucking neck and yeah. I, they fixed me. Now I have to pay for it. And they're I like, was I asking, need the peripheral cost yeah. covered, but I also yeah. need the actual. I was, I was asking our friend on the, on the <laughs> weekend about, um, we were talking about appendectomies and I was like, if I had my appendix out in the States, like how much do you think it would cost? And he was like, well, it really depends on if like, if you had to stay in the ICU yeah. because of that, like possibly 50 to $60,000. If it's just like a day surgery and then you're in a bed for a day to recover, then like still Upwards of ten thousand dollars. I saw a thing that um, um, that Quadjo posted a few days ago, and it was about like just the kind of like clusterfuck of being able to accurately assess somebody when they enter the hospital. And he was talking about this this old woman who was in her like she was in her like eighties, and she had had this history of all these things. And she she for some reason like ended up in the in the emergency room for, for what she needed, but like she was, she should have gone somewhere else. Mm. And so because of this barrier with whether maybe it was like a challenge to um, get her proper records and they couldn't get, they couldn't see her file because that whatever reason they ended up, they ended up triaging her in this way that Quadra was like, then she spent a whole day or like a day and a half going through all this shit that she didn't need to go through as a patient, which cost the hospital $20,000 and none of it was necessary. And it Mm. was all because like we couldn't pull up her file correctly and just go, this woman has this history. Okay. Skip to step 10. Which is why we need pre-screening AI bots. You're probably very right about that. Which is why. Maybe you'll see that in the next little bit in Ottawa. Possibly. Who knows? What? Quadra's getting it. <laughs> anyway, but like this whole, but this whole thing, the reason that this like that this article jumped out at me was just it just like a screaming mm. that it's like there is there is a a third of a gigantic fundraising platform that is yeah. dedicated to trying to help people just which, pay for medical costs. Yeah, which, which which speaks to a massive issue. But in healthcare, but, right? Like that is that I mean that that is at the heart of this. It, totally. It, this is this is just showing a glaring pro- problem. Now, now this is totally 100% true, and both both of these things are true, which is why it's kind of so fucked. 
So Ted's going to say something about fucking handouts. I guarantee no, no, you. Here no, we go. No, Here we go, folks. What? No. Get no. off your lazy asses. <laughs> All you fucking libtard cucks out here wanting UBI. Dude, dude I am lazy. Like, I am left of center. Um, and, uh, and so we were talking to... Um, Alex Dumphy the other day for our uh, for our podcast with Life Sciences Nova Scotia New Wave go check it out now and and we were talking about healthcare and they are a medical technology company and their biggest their biggest customer base is in the US and that's where the biggest market is that's right and they were going he he was saying what's 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 so crazy about the United States is that yes it's horrible that people don't have the access to care like they do in Canada or like they do in a bunch of European countries. However, because the dollars and cents and profit motivation is present in the United States, it's basically where all medical innovation goes to be tested and to thrive. And it happens in the U S first and then it gets, and it goes, it's like the testing ground is in the U S which is where you find all these amazing Innovations because companies, companies, hospital systems are willing to take chances on new technology because it might enhance their profitability or whatever. And so you find that these technologies come out of the States and then they propagate around the world. And that's how you make these wild innovations, a lot of wild technological innovations in healthcare, which I was like, wow, what a horrible catch 22. That it's like you need this horrible system for the person so that on this like global scale, mm. you get this, you get these tech advancements. Like, I wonder if it ugh. could be both in the sense that I think of, of like if, if um, the United States all of a sudden changed to a public um, system, would that then pop up somewhere else in the world? Like, for example, Maybe. The, the United Arab Emirates. And the thing that's great about Dubai is that um, I had the best healthcare when I lived in Dubai and it was all private, but everybody has private care. You can't, mm. so one, you can't be a resident in Dubai without having a work visa and all employers are required to provide. Depend, depends on who, that depends on who you are and where you're coming from, I think. Yeah. Well, well I mean. No, it, but I mean, they're all, they, they all have like. Right they, so, right, they have a work visa, but they just don't have access to their passport. No, no, totally. <laughs> no, no, that's a bad thing, obviously. <laughs> yeah. There's slave labor. <laughs> that, yes, this is another problem. But that's, <clears throat> a, that's a separate problem to this point, is that, yeah, yeah. that all working people in Dubai, which you can't be there unless you're working, have access to private health care mm-hmm. that's paid for by the companies. It's definitely a definitely Which is a not place, possible anywhere else in the world, A place like the, the UAE is a much better is a much better place for that to be occurring rather than in the United States where there is a gigantic swath of the population mm. that doesn't that cannot afford private health insurance to mm. pay for their medical So costs. in the mm. words of uh, Rob Solomon, the CEO <laughs> of GoFundMe, he says, quote, uh, the system is terrible. It needs to be rethought and retooled. Politicians are failing us. Healthcare companies are failing us. GoFundMe provides relief to many, but it should not be the solution to a complex set of systematic problems. Comprehensive healthcare, according to Solomon, is a right, and it's essential that reforms happen at a local, state, and federal level to make this a reality. Um, so, yeah, just uh, some interesting food for thought there, and um, and uh, just you know, everyone's out there trying to. Here comes the money, 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 money. 
Get that fucking bag, baby. Including the politicians and the government. Uh, Okay, so let's move on to something that's uh, really interesting. Been thinking about death lately, a lot lately. Um, In particular, I've been thinking about like what comes after death a lot lately. This doesn't have anything to do with that, but this kind of gave me a, there's something sort of, sort of interesting about this that sort of made me, I don't know, it was was, was scratching that similar itch. Are you going to talk about interdimensions? No, no, no. Um, There was a study in the UK that revealed how many dimensions, no, uh, the (laughs) study in the UK reveals the most common date for people to die. Well, Wait, let's guess. Okay. Um, New Year's Day. Ooh. Okay, very, very, very good guess. I thought I was thinking. I was thinking the same thing. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Well, you guys are both wrong. It's got to be early in the new year, though. It is. Well, while the exact moment of your death. Uh, this is also a Chat GPT. Right? <laughs> I don't. I don't think this is Chat GPT, but this is straight from Lab Bible. And as I read it, I went, "This is Chat GPT." <laughs> Lab Bible. While, while Chat the exact GPT. moment of your death, dear reader, is ultimately unknown, a study has pinpointed the most statistically likely date to for it to be. According to a study from Afterlife Services site Beyond, the most common day to die in the UK is the day after my birthday. January 6th. January 6th. And indeed, that post-Christmas period is really that fraught with danger. Is yeah. a, now, is that, now, is that a coincidence? No, it has something. But now, no, it's not. That's that, what I thought. It has something to do with me. That it is also said to be, is that the same day that's said to be the most depressing day of the year? Um, I don't know about that, uh, but I do feel like that. I, I thought that's like Christmas or like New Year's Day. No, it's, it, no, it's because after like oh, the after reality the, of like the right, holidays right. and that period is done and then you set, settle back in and also right. like in the no- Northern Hemisphere where it's wintertime and, yeah. you know, dark. Well, they do say here, uh, they do say since 2005, an average of 1,387 Brits die each day. Um, but the average number of deaths on January wow, each day, each day, 1,387 people in the UK die. Wow. That is on average. That's wild. On January 6th, it sits at about 1,732. That's a significant uptick. So in fact, uh, the 10 days you're most likely to die in the UK all fall within an 11 day period between the 30th of December and the 9th of January. Only the 3rd of January doesn't feature in the top 10 deadliest days of the calendar. Wow. Is there any, did they give insight as to why they well, think they, that might I be? I mean, you know, I think it's it's probably pretty hard to really give like accurate insight into that, but yeah. they do say the cold winter weather and Freezing the, the battering immune system can, ta- uh, can take during that period. Mm-hmm. Um, it's thought to be one of the contributing factors. Um, adding credence to this is the day that people are least likely to die is the 30th of July. That the makes very sense. height of the summer and the actually weather. That's uh, two days before my birthday. Um, but there, but but there there are I mean there are like arguments to be made that <laughs> guys guys <laughs> guys. And did you guys know that? Did you guys know that the most average oh day? God. Did you guys know that the most average day to die is October twelfth? <laughs> two days after my birthday. <laughs> You know, the, um, but, but I do think there is arguments to be made about the like mental health ramifications of like that period of the year, like the new year, the Christmas holidays. It's like, you know, it's like, I'm sure, I'm sure if you looked up like suicide rates, there might be some interesting numbers around like that period. Oh, definitely. You know? Definitely. Um, actually, I feel like, I feel like we've actually covered that before. And, which is, and like but cold I, but and I, flu But I don't season. think that that 
is no, it's enough not the, to say that that's like the reason. No, but that, when that you number's so much higher. But something that's interesting though yes. is that think about think about stress in general and yeah. like how much that can impact your overall um, your overall health yeah. and well being. So if like it might not be that people are taking their lives at a at a higher rate on that day necessarily right, or, like or maybe they are but not in a, in a way that's going to make mm. that much of a difference mm-hmm. but if it is stress that yeah. just makes you generally feel shittier or decreases your health and you're already you know have a bunch of other yeah. comorbidities and things then it could be you know what's interesting 100%. about uh about this point, about going into this this uh dark season that i'm noticing now is zaya zaya gets up and goes to daycare now and when Zaya was the ba- a baby that before daycare she would sleep until she would sleep until like noon she would sleep until seven thirty eight o'clock um and then and 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 when she was really young she would sleep until like ten she was like sleeping like crazy and and because of our jobs because we don't have like morning commitments really mm. getting up before eight thirty was like pretty rare for me now. I'm noticing now that I get up at like 6:45, 7 a.m. every day, the sun is not up anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm getting up, and I'm like, wow. I wonder what that will be like going into like a the first full year in probably a decade of my life that I get up consistently in the dark. Yeah, because as the seasons change and the sunrise changes, I basically just like adapted to the sunrise. Yeah. I, I was can, like, I'll just get up when the sunrise. You're just gonna be waking up to this. Like the whole fucking I, I can tell winter. you. That is, I can tell you that will be. It's very nice. I can yeah. tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be this weird sort of innate thing that happens in in March where you're going to feel like you have to take a trip to Cuba. No, that's going to be. That's what happens. And that I and that everything you, has to be included in this trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything is included, and uh, you just it's an all included. Just, it is an all included, <laughs> and you're going to have to leave the kids at home with the parents and just go and unwind. And I know? just get and do I have to neglect the history and culture of the of the whole place while I'm there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Complete disregard for it. You're just going I there. I just treat it as if it's my country in their country. Yeah. And and you know, it's Taylor's. actually not even that much of a problem because you're self-contained in this little area the right. entire time that you're there. Right. So, so like, I, I don't even have to I don't even have to I don't have to pretend like I'm right. like there's anybody to meet or anything else to see or do. Yeah. And really it's just hey guys, it's just hey, your hey, loss. Guys, guys, and guys, it's guys, just guys, your guys, loss, but on. it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All inclusives <laughs> Have their place. Okay, <laughs> they can be very fun, and I will say, affordable. Um, yeah. yeah, and 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 you're you're much more likely to avoid. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I know. I think it's. I think you're more likely I think it's, to. I think it's more likely. Get, uh, but hey, uh, but but for real, all inclusives. Every once in a while, they can be a fucking. Guys, we should go. Real, they can we, be a hoot. Guys, we should go on one this year. Dude, yeah, it'd be just fun. for like a four. Think about day. how fun that is. <laughs> well, if it's you just, just us, baby, <laughs> it's basically, just baby, you basically are just being babysat. It would not. It I would just, be, I can't drink all all the time though. Like, like you can, can, do can we do it take for three can days. We take, can we take other drugs? You can probably find them. Yeah. Dude, totally. Lots yeah. of cocaine. Lots of meth. I don't need yeah. that. I don't want cocaine or meth. What the fuck do you want? Mushrooms and Molly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, uh, it would be a it would be a nightmare though going to an all inclusive with Maddie and just having to one like Maddie doesn't drink and I wouldn't drink with her, just her and also just like laying on the beach all day. Dude, I do I do hate laying. Dude, on the I beach hate. I can't. I hate, hate, hate it. Like, yo, on the beach. when you got the pig skin, you know what I'm saying? 
yeah. Like, who brought yeah. the pigskin? Yeah. I'm going to the beach, yeah. baby. Dude, pigskin, desk? A grill? Hell yeah. <laughs> Holy <laughs> hell yeah, dude. God, sick. Fuck Man, yeah. I miss summer. Fuck, <laughs> dude, let's go to Cuba. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on to some intrusive thoughts. Um, please. Do you guys have intrusive thoughts? Move on to intrusive, yeah, yeah. intrusive thoughts. I've not uh, having like the entire time. Oh, yeah, <laughs> not that's as many. I remember having quite a few uh, in my younger years. I don't notice them quite as often anymore. But you've had them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what would be an example of one? That I have one. Had? I remember I one specifically. I remember specifically as a kid. Um, I don't know. Let's say between like eight and 15, maybe somewhere in that range. I could. I remember going and sitting in the upper bowl at the Metro Center, which is like the big hockey arena in, in Halifax. And looking up at the rafters, like above where the big clock, like the center clock is scoreboard and looking at the rafters and going, man, it'd be crazy to like, just like climb up there. And then like, holy shit. Then if I just fell off those rafters and just hit the ice, I, th- I, I, I would, would think of that. I would have that thought and then I'd go, huh. And then did just, you think of falling off or jumping off? Uh, jumping off. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And, I, and then I, and then I go, all right, I guess I'll go keep watching the game then. <laughs> Here's one. Are you guys afraid of driving across the bridge? No. No, but I've had that thought as well. You driving should be. off the bridge? You should be afraid of driving across the bridge. Do you know because how every time you know I drive across the bridge to drive off the bridge, no, no, it would be no. extremely hard. You need no. to ramp, you guys. Need, there would need to be a, guys. There need be to be a, an eighteen wheeler that guys. hauls cars yeah. with its with its bed down. And you a, need to a ramp GTA off. Like, guys, guys, you don't need to be afraid of going off the bridge. You need to be afraid of the drivers in the other lane who are thinking about possibly just steering their cars into your lane. No, no one's going to do that. <laughs> I think of it though. Well, someone might. Yeah, do that. but it's a, it's intrusive. That's intrusive. Yeah, yeah, it's not it real. Is. So you so. I think kind of the foundation of an intrusive thought is not is, is something that you actually for sure don't need to tell other people to be worried about. I think that's kind of the basis of it. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Well, I don't think so. I think intrusive thoughts can be... um, can be, I mean, so like an intrusive, I, I have an intrusive thought. This ha- I actually have this like quite a bit and I actually, I actually fucking hate it because it happens. I let it, I let it go and then it ruin. And then like, I let it evolve and then it gets to a point where I go, Oh, whoa, whoa. Oh fuck. Why? Like, why am I doing this? Mine is, and I ha- and this, I, I know that I can pinpoint the exact moment that this intrusive thought seed was planted. And now every once in a while, like, like I water it. I, Donut was a puppy and we were on the sidewalk and he was like, I don't know, sniffing something or taking a shit or something. And he was like kind of close to the road, but not that close. And I had full control over him. He was a puppy. I had him in his leash on his leash and a bus drove by. This is on, on Gottagen, a bus, which is a street in Halifax, a bus drove by and the bus is like, dude, in the bus lane, the bus is like they're like two inches millimeters from, from the curb. The curb. Yeah. And it just like, and it was going full speed and it went, and I went, oh my God, if Donut was like a foot and a half that way, 
he would have been hereditary mushed. He would have just been completely squished. And oh, now no. I constantly, not constantly, but like maybe like once a month, I'll have this thought when I'm walking donut on the road of just like donut running out in the, just like skirting out into the road and getting completely fucking sure. run over. And then my mind goes, and then if he didn't die on the impact, he would probably be like, like yelping and like, and oh, trying no, to like no, get up, no, but he no. can't cause he's all broke. Like that's where my fucking brain goes. No. And then I, and then I get like really sick and I go, what the fuck? Why, why did I just do that? Mm. Like there was no, you know I get what? that. I get that I with Rupert outside. So I think yeah. that also is an intrusive thought, but that's not an intrusive thought of me picking Donut up over my head and mm. throwing him into an oncoming right. bus. Yeah. Now I've never had that thought, but, you're but now it. that I just said but it, now you're having. I'm it having it. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> I don't that? know. I don't know how to garden, so I can't water those seeds. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible. For well, me. I, wait. I have a thoughts. question for you. Is that yeah. an intrusive thought, though? Yeah. Like, like the the like the idea of thinking of that happening to Donut. Or is it more of like you doing something and being in control of the an thing? intrusive thought is an unwelcome, involuntary thought, image or unpleasant idea that may become an obsession is upsetting or distressing and can feel difficult to manage or eliminate. So it's okay. not it's not the intrusive thoughts aren't necessarily thoughts of like, I had this thought of taking a knife and stabbing my wife to death. That's an intrusive thought. But it's not just that. It's not just things of like, I had a thought of me committing something that is awful to think about. It's just the thought of awfulness. I mean, well, I feel with like with yours, you, you're going, with yours, you're going, I'm afraid yes. that I will let go of Donut. Or I'm afraid that Donut, like, I've even had the thought of like, uh, here's another intrusive thought that, that is completely removed. When I see some numb skull, and I'll say it, I'm, I'm sorry, I think it's fucking dumb. I don't think it's safe. I don't care how old your dog is or how well trained your dog is. When I see some fucking ding dong in a city walking their dog, I hate that off a leash. Yeah. Look, it's a fucking dog. Like, yes, a hundred percent dogs can be trained to fucking be that good, but I would never risk it. Let's say the dog sees a leaf and, and like donut loves leaves. And, and <laughs> so, right. So anyway, what is sorry, I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting fucking caught up on my own intrusive thought, but I would see somebody walk, walk their dog. And I would have the exact same thought that I would have of the donut thing that I just told sure, you, yeah. but of that person's dog yeah. and that person's dog just going, Oh, like time to cross the road at the wrong time and gets hit. It actually, it, it does drive me nuts. Right? Yeah, me so like, so again, intrusive thought, but here's the thing. Intrusive thoughts are actually a lot more ordinary than you think. Uh, I think some people have intrusive thoughts and some intrusive thoughts can be like so bad that you most certainly never will share that with anyone because perhaps there could be ramifications with that. You know what I mean? Um, I think we've actually talked about it with, uh, with Jody, Jody Carrington. We had a little discussion with her once uh, when she was here at the studio about, you know, the idea of intrusive thoughts, especially intrusive thoughts with like new parents, right? I mean, we... I mean, again, I can totally see how this might, we might not want to go into that, but I actually found that conversation like extremely valuable to go, to, to go, to signal to parents out there that like, this is not you being a bad person. Yeah. So do you, do we want, do we no, want to, no. like, I mean, I mean, well, maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll keep that for like a conversation with Jody. I, I don't want to get off track, but sure. basically people have intrusive thoughts. The ones that we just shared, I feel like you could easily kind of grasp like oh yeah i'm sure everybody has that but yeah. then there's some, some some of those intrusive thoughts where someone might go there's no fucking way anybody else has this and i think i might be sick perhaps like maybe yeah, yeah, i'm yeah, fucked yeah. up yeah that's 
Likely not the case. Um, your brain is thinking such thoughts because you don't want to act that way. And for some reason, it just happens to think of the most inappropriate thing that it can imagine. Uh, as to what causes this, this phenomena, uh, is the main reason they think is anxiety or stress, according to Harvard Health. Mm. So some biological factors. Hold may on. Also the main reason part. why you're having the, the thought? Yeah, the, the main reason why you tend to engage in intrusive thoughts has to do with anxiety or stress. Um, so some biological factors may also play a part. Uh, for example, women who have just given birth may have more intrusive thoughts than usual because of the hormonal changes that they're going through. Wow. Uh, while you may think the best thing to do is try to push down your intrusive thoughts, this might make this uh, might make it stick around for longer and happen more frequently. Uh, Hannah Reese, clinical and research fellow at psychology at Massachusetts General Hospital and Harvard Medical School, wrote for Psychology Today, quote, the very act of monitoring your thoughts for the absence of a thought can make it occur more frequently. When someone becomes very distressed by their intrusive thought, goes into great lengths to get rid of them and prevent them from occurring, this be can become a form of OCD. People with this bad thoughts form of OCD often avoid things that could trigger these thoughts or being in situations where they might be at risk for acting on a thought. Um, so like, for was example, I would like stop name? walking down the road. We spoke with somebody who wrote a book that was... Um, That's right. I'm, uh, I'm totally blanking on his name now. It was like, it was like something about being a dad. Yeah, yeah, um, the ADD dad. ADD dad, yeah. yes. Um, I believe it was Jeff, maybe. Um, so what should we do then about these thoughts, about kicking our next door neighbor's uh, a, a puppy or... Um, Does it say that? Uh, yeah, uh, you kicked I, I was thinking about another one. I was just trying to think of another one in my head, but, um, we won't go there. Harvard <laughs> health, uh, has you covered. Uh, and the next medical and the medical team advises that firstly, you identify the thought. Dr. Carrie Ann Williams, a lecturer in psychiatry at Harvard medical school says to simply think to yourself, that's just an intrusive thought. It's not how I think it's not what I believe. And it's not what I want to do. Unless. Unless you do want to do it. I have a question, guys. Just start using so, that for my road rage. What do you thought process? What do you think you the difference rage. is, or do you think that these things are very closely connected? The idea that so like it, I live in a dog friendly apartment building and there are people in there's my apartment. There's so many building. dogs to kick in his apartment. <laughs> there's so it's many. Crazy. And every time I get in the elevator, I'm like, which one it's like uh like yeah. a buffet of dogs to kick. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a great way to put it. When I, when I, when I get in the elevator, there's, there are, there's like a handful of people who live in my building who are afraid of dogs. Yeah. Which is, which anyway, is a thing. Brian loves but, it because Brian has a poorly trained dog and he just sticks them on these people. Yeah. My dog just goes crazy. Um, Rupert the, will give somebody a heart attack. Dude, a hundred percent. Rupert, Rupert started humping the Uber Eats driver the other day, <laughs> who did, also, very he clearly, he almost from a died. cultural he perspective, is very afraid of dogs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he almost, he almost like, had a Brian, stroke. Brian's just like, oh, oh, Ru Rupi, <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, he's not going to bite you, he's just trying to fuck you. <laughs> Uh, Rupert, Rupert's actually really good in the <laughs> elevator because he knows that he has to sit the entire time. And so, but the interesting thing, okay, sit so here's a question. Face. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dog. No. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, so the, the question that I have is, is so somebody who has like a, a fear of dogs or a phobia, that is, um, I don't want to use the, I, I, so I'm, I'm not tr speaking specifically to fears or phobias, but in a situation where somebody has in 
what would appear to be an irrational reaction to something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the difference between that being an intrusive thought where they like are thinking of like the worst thing that that dog could possibly they're do? Not them, they're not I don't think they're thinking. They're that. just react. They're, they're just having so, a reaction. Yeah, they just have, so I mean, what is, the pickles, what are, what are, what are, are they di- having? Those are different things. Reactions and thoughts are different things. So what do you what do you think that what are they thinking in this situation when they have that reaction? I don't think they're thinking. I think they're reacting. I think they're having a nervous system. They're having a, a central nervous system response. Yeah. Why why is that? Because of uh, because of either either it's 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 a mixture of unknown and unknown. So that there's there's just an I don't know what's happening because I don't have any experience with this dog, um, or it is a not a recalled memory but a um, What's the what's the opposite of recall memory? Like something not something that you can actually recall and like, like remember, subconscious, but like a subconscious recall of a of a of an experience. Like if they've been bit by a dog, then like their nervous system is saying mm-hmm. run because mm-hmm. this happened to you before and it's about to happen Here, to you. Here's, an, here's, here's another here's another example yeah. that that is more in line with what I was thinking. Of. So like a parent on a playground who's like like overprotected thinks that their kid is going to fall or I think you know, that's also a central nervous system is that, thing. Is that that and that's not an intrusive thought? No, no I think that's yeah. a. I think that's no, an intrusive a, thought would be that parent laying in bed, thinking about their kid being snatched up at yeah. the playground. I but think it's know, the exact same as the dog thing, where they go, "I either don't have any experience, mm-hmm. and so I think everything is bad is going to happen, or yeah. or my reaction is that it's going to be horrible, or I had a bad experience, and now that colors all my future experience." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Either way. All normal. It's actually called like from the in the philosophical realm. It's called avidya, which is the in in um, in Hinduism, and it's 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 basically a it's your it's a sign. It's one of like a a handful of signals that signal that you are not seeing reality clearly. That there is a you are misperceiving your reality the, is not the shared you're misperceiving reality. the objective reality and. You can't just, and so it's called the veil of misperception. So you have this, you have this like thin veil in front of your eyes that's making reality distorted mm-hmm. through your vision, but you can't actually see the veil because it's too close to your yeah. eyes. So you Which need basically, to look, I mean, basically for, that is currently what's happening in the world with the UAP phenomenon, right? Like everybody right. <laughs> has the veil in front of their eyes, except for me. Yeah, so, 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 so just, lifted just to veil. clarify, just, just to clarify, because I think this is interesting um, and I've never thought of it this way. The parent on the playground who is like ultra overprotective doesn't actually isn't actively thinking that something bad is going to happen. They just have this like feeling of like wanting to be protective yeah. for some yeah. reason that I mean, that it, is probably not actually yeah. tied but it could to like be, it could be them a mix. really thinking that something bad is going to happen. It could happen. be a mix. It could be that reaction part, but it also could be an intrusive thought that they had once, one time, yeah. and now when they go to the playground, the intrusive thought comes up again and then they and then they become like super like hyper vigilant within their nervous system because that thought is maybe on repeat in their head while their kid is playing and they're just going they're just waiting anxiously for the worst thing to happen so they're not thinking about like my kid is actually going to fall they're thinking my parents didn't love me or protect me and as then, a kid and then and spiral I mean, I, again it's yeah, like maybe. you keep you saying they are thinking i don't think thinking is a part of it they yeah. are reacting it, to yeah a, they, it's yeah. It, i mean it's a subconscious thinking they're not they're not actively thinking my kid's going to fall and hurt themselves. They're just reacting. That's actually, to, it's helpful for me to think, think about that because um, I don't think you're thinking. A thought. Um, I, <laughs> I think you're I just think reacting. I'm thinking, I'm thinking a lot of different things. Um, it's helpful for me to um, understand it that way because, you know, what, like from my experience in going to therapy, I think about a lot of 
the ways that the past affects me, but I've never thought that the overprotective parent, like I've always been like, oh, well, like surely they should be able to see that like that kid is not going to, like if they fall from the monkey bars, they're not going to fucking break yeah, their hip I, and die. I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. stay on, I don't want to stay on this too much longer because no, I know we, we need to move on, move. but I do want to say that I think a lot of, it's even funny to use the word I think in this, for, in this explanation, but I think a lot of things that we think about as being thoughts that we're having are, are really most of the time just nervous system dysregulation mm -hmm. where we are in fight or flight when we should be resting or we should, or we're resting when we should be in fight or flight and we're just not in the right zones a lot. And there's a whole bunch of factors for why that is. But like if you, like if you, um, if you wear a whoop strap or you wear a Garmin watch or something, it gives you a stress it gives mm -hmm. you a stress score. And what that stress score is actually, like the reason that that gives you a score or how it gives you a score is it is reading your heart rate variability throughout the day. And so when you have low heart rate variability, lower to, in comparison to your baseline, so you establish a baseline, when it's lower, it means that you are spending less time in the, in the, in the, ner in yeah. the nervous system response mm -hmm. that, that is required for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So when you're when you're sitting and you're you know you're watching shit it knows you're sitting it can tell that you're not moving you're sitting still so it's going you should be you sh you should be chill right no now no stress but yeah. you're not and that's and so Ooh. we're giving you a high stress score for that when you start exercising it actually turns off that feature because it goes well this isn't useful you're information yeah. because you're Ooh. you're actively what good stressing yourself you're exercising so we're not we're not measuring you there because you're mm. you're doing what you need to be doing yeah so like the more time you spend, it's really, stress is, is just a measurement of how much time you are not spending in the correct nervous system response. Mm -hmm. And then that has a crazy downstream effect on how you do everything in your life. I think, I think this was in an, a recent podcast I was listening to with uh, Ezra Klein and as a guest. And he was talking about how... Dude, with the on search engine? Yeah. Such a good episode. He was, he was talking about how... I think this is this episode. He was talking about how... Um, our experiences through our lives are is is just an amalgamation of all of the stories that we tell ourselves, mm -hmm. and that was like really profound for me because, like to like to your point, it's like like we have these thoughts and then that creates our reality. But like a lot of the thoughts are informed by things that we don't even know where they come from. Yet that creates our entire perception of the experience that we're living on this earth. Yeah. Like everything comes from, which is where mindfulness that. comes in. Because when you yeah. have a reaction to a thing, if you can go, <laughs> if you can go, let's take a beat and just notice where is that coming from? Why do I think that way? Just for a second, even if it's subconscious, just to create that like little bit of a buffer. Yeah. That's probably like, that, that's probably the most last of thing, the improvement the last thing you need to make. I'll say to that is I think I, I totally agree with you. I think that mindfulness is what I get through therapy. Um, sure. like that's yeah. the thing that like I find is that ability to like, like step back and go, Oh, this is where this is coming from, which gives me an appreciation for the fact that like a lot of other people can have that sort of step back perspective from doing things like mm. yoga. Yeah. I mean, mindfulness essentially is probably a, it's, it's like the root core thing, you know, put it in whatever word you want to, but that's probably the base core thing that everybody on earth needs an abundance mm. of. All right, let's move on to uh, speaking of the way we perceive the world, this kind of blows my mind. All right. 
Daryl, Dr. Daryl J. Bem. Uh, he was born in 1938. He is a social psychologist and professor emeritus at Cornell University. Smart guy. Mm. Been around for a while. Still alive. Um, there is a really controversial study that he took part in uh, in, two, in, the, in 2000, I think it was 2011, 2010, uh, that sort of shook the, the world of, of psychological study completely uprooted it this makes a lot of sense considering he probably was coming into this practice when mk ultra was happening uh well actually <laughs> brian it's really funny that you say that because this is this this doesn't actually have anything to do with mk ultra but, but it informed the, his experience but it most certainly has something to do with i mean it's tangentially connected to a cia project that is very similar to mk ultra which is the stargate project so mk ultra dosing people with lsd stargate was a project where the CIA tried to investigate whether or not psychics could like remote view, remote view. <laughs> yep. So, so, but, li- but actually listen, this is, this is fucking, this is fucking wild. So in the past decade, one of the most controversial scientific studies was the 2011 paper by American psychologist, Dr. Daryl Bem. He presented a radical idea that precognition, the ability to foresee future events is a genuine phenomenon sparking ongoing debates and soul-searching among psychologists. This concept challenged mainstream science and supported parapsychology, uh, particularly phenomena collectively known as psi, which includes precognition, telepathy, clairvoyance, and remote viewing. Have you guys both seen Men Who Stare at Goats? No. Men Who Stare at Goats is about Project Stargate. Yeah, exactly. So Bem's paper, titled Feeling the Future, Experimental Evidence for Anomalous Retroactive Influences on Cognition and Effect, reported on nine experiments involving over a thousand participants. Eight of these experiments appeared to demonstrate that a person's responses could be influenced by events occurring after the responses were recorded, which which, which suggested support for precognition. So the experiments took various approaches. Uh, For instance, some involved participating participants guessing the location of a hidden image behind curtains on a computer screen, while others focused on word recall tasks. These experiments seem to show that individuals could perform better than random guessing or recall when influenced by future events. So one of the, one of the studies that, that I thought to be the most interesting out of this, out of this, like, this, um, this experiment that, that he did was he would have people sit on, uh, on a computer and they would have like basically two buttons um, uh, or, or they would have, they would have like a, two have, pills, a red pill and a blue pill. <laughs> they would have two uh, words that they would have to associate with an image. Right. So let's use the example of they would show an image of a kitten and the two words would be like ugly or cute. Right. Um, so the, f- the first part of the test was they ran this through everybody. And what they did was, before the image, sorry, before the words came up for them to choose a word to associate with the image, there was like a, uh, it was like, you know, like 0.003 of a second, uh, they would flash one of the two words in front of the screen and it would flash at such a rate that your eyes wouldn't actually be able to pick up what it is. Subconsciously, you'd be able to pick it up. But like in the moment, you wouldn't even see it. Mm-hmm. And they would do this before the person would choose the word. So let's say that they flashed. What they, and so what they found was when they flashed the word ugly on the screen, 
before the person chose the word, they would choose the word cute at a slight slower pace than they would if the word cute flashed. Right. So, so like, so, so, so like reality, everybody thinks it's cute. Right. Right. Exactly. Like everybody, you're going to pick cute unless you're trolling the system. Sure. So you're going to pick cute. And so if they flash cute, uh, uh, sort of sub like subliminal messaging, you choose it fast. You choose it faster. If they, if they flashed ugly, you choose cute slower. And that was a, they, they, you know, they did that as the part of the study and they repeated that and they were like, okay, it's very clear that like with this subliminal messaging beforehand, Everybody chooses cute or, you know, the, the, the high slightly per, slower, slightly slower and, and slightly faster. So then he did the exact same thing. But instead of flashing before they chose the word rate this podcast five stars, they flashed it. <laughs> they flashed it after they chose the word. And the exact same. The exact same effect. It, it had the exact same effect as them seeing the word before it flashed. So like this was this was one of several oh. different experiments that they did. Uh, interesting. And he, but here's the interesting part. So obviously, obviously the results of this are fucking ridiculous, right? They didn't test this is not people. part of Stargate. This is like no, separate no. This research. is not. This is not part of Stargate. This is the at 2011. This study. is a study in 2011 that a, that is like that this Dr. Daryl Bem, who's a very like accredited, like he's he's been around for a long time. He's he's like come up with like. Sure. Social, social psychology theories that like still stand today. So he puts this out there and he goes, guys, look, like I, I think I've been able to show that precognition is possible. And so what's OK? So what's more psych, skeptical psychologists who have poured over a, a preprint of the paper say that they can't find any significant flaws. Quote, my personal view is that this is ridiculous and it cannot be true, says uh, uh, Joachim Kruger of Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island, who has blogged about the work on psychology today. He said, quote, going after the me methodology and the experimental design is the first line of attack. But frankly, I didn't see anything. Everything seems to be in good order. So here's the wild part. Some studies claim to replicate Bem's findings. BEM's team conducted a meta-analysis in 2015, so four years later, including 90 experiments from 33 different labs involving 12,406 participants. Mm, wow. And they argued that the results provided decisive evidence for the existence of ESP or precognition. What's really funny about, about just the reaction part is how, I mean, I get it. Like science, that, should, that sh actually should be in science, the gut reaction is that Something Skeptical is, wrong. is that it's I mean, wrong? That's, that's what's that that is the base of science. Yeah, I and mean, that's what it should be. But but just the words that the, that he chose, which was going, I can't find any flaws, but in my being, yeah, it's wrong. So well, it's like the so, LK, but it's like the LK ninety nine stuff. Like like so much of like the yeah. science appeared to be really sound from uh, from the early perspectives on it and then when but people just couldn't replicate it yeah and and but like also people like there was a strong gut reaction to the yeah. scientific community that was like nah Fuck it's just that. not yeah. possible yeah. this is but, not gonna but be. if they had been able to replicate it that would have been it would have definitely changed the discourse surrounding that right but there was a number there was there was like two or three teams that were like we we actually we actually couldn't replicate this exact thing. And so it seems mm. like it lost steam. But I but, wonder but if that was because there was so much publicity around, like this is not, there's not a lot of publicity no. around so relative. There's a, there's to a, so, so there's a big incentive. To replicate. Uh, apparently the, I, I, so there was a lot of publicity around this specifically in the world of psychology, 
Because my point in sharing this, I mean, part of my point in sharing this is the wildness of the study and the wild claims that there are. But the, the real point of sharing this is what, is what ended up occurring after this study came out. Because again, when I say that Dr. Bem is like a, a legit guy, he, he's like, he is touted as like, he's very much looked up to in the world of psychology. Or There's he a, was. No, no. I mean, still okay. to this day, like this okay. didn't fucking ruin him at okay. all. Um, and what this actually did was this shifted the standards of research in psychology. This literally complete upheaval of the standards of research in psychology. So, um, Nevertheless, Does that sound like the like the the psychology community is like okay okay like this might be this might all be above <laughs> board in terms of like meeting all of the requirements for studies but like this is not a result that we expect is possible or true so like we have to increase the standards yeah so nevertheless the scientific community remained divided on the issue with some believing that experimenter bias and other uh, parapsycho parapsychological factors could affect the results. Bem acknowledged the intense reactions to his research, stating that it forced psychologists to reconsider their views on the physical world and research practices. He maintained his belief in PSI in psi, but suggested that methods in the field needed improvement. Cognitive neuroscience professor Chris Chambers, one of Bem's critics, and there were many, called the conclusion of the paper ridiculous. And yet, this is really quote, this is really interesting because. If a paper like this that's doing everything normally and properly can end up producing a ridiculous conclusion, then how many other papers that use those exact same methods that didn't reach ridiculous conclusions are similarly flawed? Wow. So he's that's going, wild. he's going, okay, this is fucking ridiculous. I'm going to choose to, to, I'm going to choose. I mean, I'm assuming I'm putting words in his mouth here, but I'm assuming that he, he was going, I'm, I'm going to choose to not believe that this is possible. In, the, in, in any realm of possibility, I don't think this is actually true. It's ridiculous. But he's done everything right. And it seems like it's hard to find any holes in the research. So if that's the case, then how many times in psychological research have we done it right, done it by the books, and come up to a conclusion that makes sense, but in reality... Maybe yeah. it's not actually the it's sense like, because, like, totally, because yeah. this is so fucking crazy. That. It's like playing Sudoku. It's like you make you make a bunch of moves, and your moves seem to make sense. Like you've you've laid mm. down you've laid down the rules. You've laid down the rules, being the foundation, being the first couple moves that you made. They seem to make sense. Yeah. Subsequent moves make sense, and then all of a sudden you come to a place where you go, "Wait, this doesn't make sense. Where where did I make my mistake in the past that that made me believe that everything." that I've done up until now was correct, yeah. but actually it was false. So wait, now, now wait till you hear this. But it's almost crazier than that too, in the sense that like, imagine you got to the end of the puzzle and you filled it out totally correct. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, actually, even though you have all the numbers in the right place, you lost. Yeah. Like the game actually doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> so ben, Ben's paper, this paper that he made, triggered a broader call for replication in psychology, leading to a project involving 270 scientists from 17 countries who attempted to replicate 100 studies from 2008. So the, completely separate from his study. They just tried to re replicate 100 studies from 2008. Shockingly, only 36% of the replications achieved the same result as the original studies. This highlighted concerns about the credibility of psychological research. Mm. To address these issues, new standards for psychology research were in introduced. 
Researchers began using pre-registration, outlining their study methods for hypotheses before conducting experiments to prevent data manipulation and premature reporting of positive results. That won't do anything, though, because people can see into the future. <laughs> Additionally, many scientific journals now publish registered reports that determine whether studies will be accepted or rejected based on methodology rather than the sensationalization of results. In conclusion, BEM's research challenged the scientific community with its claims of precognition and psi phenomena. However, these claims have not significantly impacted the consensus in the scientific community and further rigorous and replicable, repli replicable research is needed to establish the validity of such extraordinary claims. Okay, we got to get out of here because we got to catch a flight. But the last thing that I will say on that is what's actually very interesting about this and um, for the maybe the, may, possibly the last time I'll reference Peter Tia's book, Outlive, Unlikely. If that, what that book does really well is highlights how when you are trying to scientifically test something experimentally that has to do with people, you know, if you're fucking with chemicals and shit, that's, that's actually, that's actually way simpler. When you're trying to do like population based studies to find out if something is fundamentally true and, and you're trying to do it through using people, designing a study in which something can be super effective and accurate is like one of the hardest things to do in the yeah. world and like, and, and borderline impossible and in something less ethereal, like less ethereal than psychology. So like mm. something like nutrition, it's like finding out whether something is nutritionally true is almost impossible. Mm -hmm. And then if you bring that into the realm of psychology, it's a no surprise that mm -hmm. that is probably one of the hardest things yeah. to to do to 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 successfully experiment with that um, was one of the things that the even the critics were talking about bem's study was they were they were talking about the the way that he crafted these these like several experiments to which all of them were were producing this like result of of like it seems like precognition could be possible they were all saying they are they're they're all i mean they're structured almost as perfectly as can be for a study because it's next to impossible to like fudge the numbers next to impossible to fuck up like it's and they're so simple um yeah interesting stuff so uh uh i guess you know the thing i mean that a i think it's really interesting that they that this like completely re-altered the way that psychology approaches the ideas of studies in general um there to the precognition part it's funny to me that something as wild as that I mean, I, I get, I get it. I totally get it. It's like that. That would change. That would have fundamentally changed the way that we view the world and and our existence. But what if it was true? Like, what if it was true? All of a sudden, you see this thing that's like that's replicable and there and fucking wild. Like, it to me, it's the unscientific thing is to is to go. Well, it's impossible. So there's no way that it's true. Well, you need people on both sides. You, you do need but, people on both sides. Thing, but, but the but the impossible part is. I mean, we should, no matter where you stand, it should, you should always, even if you were a skeptic, you should always have reserve a, a, a sliver of you that goes, there's a possibility that maybe. I disagree. I, I think I disagree because I think if you have a skeptic that retains that, or at least you need some skeptics that don't have any of that because they are the ones that are going to approach it without the, with, yeah, I think I that, I think that thought, I think that thought can introduce a, 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 a a um what's the type of bias that like like a um uh 
what's I suppose I suppose but but yeah, yeah, then like, let me ask like, you this at, at what point does that person change their tune uh, right. I mean, after a scientific consensus is reached, I mean, but but, yeah. the, but it's just like it's just like the actual real world. It's yeah. just like the real world of conspiracy theories and things like that, where it's like there's just a swath of of a certain of of a, the group of people that are analyzing this that never that ne- that never accept something as true. Right. To be fair, there's also a lot of evidence that this is not true. So like it, like it's not like it's not like it's just like the experiment has a result and then it's like okay, well that now changes my mind because there is a lot of evidence that we can't see into the future just by how we carry ourselves on a day-to-day basis. Let's have this let's have, yeah, honestly, yeah. guys, I mean, let's have this com- on, let's on, have this on, conversation on another, uh, in the car episode. on the way to the airport. Uh, okay, that is it for today. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your support. If you want to support further, leave a rating or review on Apple Podcast or hit the follow button where the fuck where, all those fucking buttons. Just press all the buttons, leave all the stars, leave all the words. Uh, and uh, join us on Discord. You can find the link to the Discord in all of the show notes. Uh, and we'd love to have you over there. Lots of fun discussions. Mel's still up there posting her fucking wordles. God bless her. Uh, so we love you I love all. Mel. If you want to be a guest on the show, go to sickboypodcast.com. Uh, thanks as always to the folks who helped make this show happen. Shout out to our new production assistant, Annika, to uh, Donovan, mm-hmm. to Rich, to the music from Take Part, and to Jeff Lonis, our manager. We love you all. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.